0: Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall, and as you know, we love a special guest. This week it's going to be the turn of the singer-songwriter and musician Kristen Hirsch, and also an author, because she has just brought a book out, or is about to bring a book out, titled See and Sideways, a memoir of music and motherhood that's just been published on Jawbone Books and is available from all good bookshops and also probably online as well. And also she did um, a book in 2010 titled Rat Girl, which was based on a diary she wrote when she was 18, Touring with the Throne Muses and was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and was pregnant with her first child. I know there's a lot of detail there. Anyway, this is the interview, and so after several minutes of casual chat that we edit out, we got down to the exciting subject that was her previous book, Rat Girl, and then from then on, you'll get the gist of this interview. Um, I do think it breaks up at one stage, which I hopefully will edit out if I can find it. We froze. I know. It's showbiz. It's not. It's just Zoom. Right. Anyway, Kristen, tell us more about Rat Girl and then your latest book, See In Sideways. Check it out. It's a good read.
1: It's called Paradoxical Undressing in Your Country, which is the original title. They just thought that was too many syllables for Americans. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, um, this is being called the sequel to Rat Girl because it's, uh, the publisher who asked me to write it is here in America, but it was um, someone else's idea. I had a handful of journalists in the same month calling and asking if they could ghostwrite my, my memoir, and I don't know why. It, there must have been a story that was published that I didn't see that made my life sound interesting, but I'm super nice. like doormat nice the sad kind of nice and i just said sure (laughs) thank you (laughs) and then realized that they meant just months and months of uh interviews meaning talking about feelings and one guy implied that he might move in with me for a while and he he wasn't my favorite person (laughs) so i just stopped (laughs) returning everyone's calls and eventually management noticed that there is no book. So they said, Chris, since you won't talk to anyone but yourself, you have to write the book. And uh, the only book I'd ever written was a diary I kept for one year as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And it ended, obviously, when my first child was born, because I yeah, don't have time to shave your legs at that point. And I turned that into what is essentially a nonfiction novel in the hope that it could help like, just some kid with a passion. And um, this is what happened next, but it's the next thirty years, which is different. Yes. It
0: is a very, <laughs> it's a very big uh, chunk of um, domestic life because, because um, obviously, your life is. I mean, being a musician is probably one of the more difficult career paths to take. Let's face it. Most most people I interview. You know, being in a band, you know, is that dream, you know, you practice the beat, you rehearse. rehearsed, you thought, this is what I want to do. And then if it does line up and it works, going through that process, which often what I found with the world of, you know, the, in a lot of the bands I've interviewed, um, you know, especially from the 80s, they've got that five year narrative. They get together, they're probably good friends. They have the one year re- re- rehearsing and practicing, then they get a single out. In this country, John Peel would give it a play, then a John Peel session, that first album, things going really well. And then the tricky second album. And by then, you know, the band itself is kind of finding it quite tense. And also there's a, the, the sort of issue that there isn't much money, kind of this idea that it was all going to be wonderful and you'd, you'd all be some retiring into some sort of, you know, yeah. I
1: don't know
0: tropical island together and you realize after five years you can't bear each other so you your your sort of period came at that kind of late 80s didn't you because I I sort of you know the 4AD record label that we all loved back in you know the 80s because it was so here. you appeared on that and I remember come to see you when you were touring with the Pixies so obviously you know the 80s for you was quite a massive transformative period wasn't it?
1: It was when a lot of things began they they didn't come to culmination and the trajectory that is so familiar um with our concept of bands is just an invention of the music industry and uh, mine was just different because i wasn't looking at that i my head like horse blinders on, just staring at my guitar all those years. And yeah, I realized that I was a little bit alone on 4AD, and so I grabbed the pixies and said, you have to come with us. And that became a beautiful world of, um, I guess, sonic vocabulary. And we we were really enchanted with that world. But I could never lift my head. I'm not sure I have yet. I've just Like I said, I've been real nice and tried to keep up, but I'm still looking down at the guitar. And the only way to be allowed to continue working is to never be a pop star and to work in the corner. And then music will tell you what to do. You're not expected to keep up with trends. You're not expected to present an image as your sonic image you get to work in the corner and you get to stare at your guitar like I like to do. (laughs) So I've been here for a long time, working in the corner and every year I'm troubleshooting, trying to solve that problem because when you you don't engage with fashion, marketing, et cetera, um, there are a lot of question marks, but sustainability is really all it comes down to. And if you're willing to do the work, you will earn your listeners loyalty and those are repeat customers i just don't ask for more customers than this kind of music really engenders
0: yeah but the but you had a sort of a massive moment in your teen period didn't you when you were sort of struck, when you were hit by a car which created a lot of kind of ongoing issues for the rest of your life which kind of was that before can you remember life before when you were sort of hit by the car
1: Yeah, I already had a band. I had been playing guitar and writing songs since I was nine. And I took about 10 years of classical guitar. Um, It was, uh, it it just became um, a cracked skull sort of orientation after that. And I had always had music playing uh, as an alternate personality that i wouldn't remember afterwards um but the cracked skull from the car accident allowed me to hear that and that's when throwing muses became that particular
0: sound right so you're it sound... wasn't
1: a very nice sound no i will admit that i wasn't lying but that doesn't mean it's nice to listen to <laughs>
0: yeah. it's it's quite memorable though i mean they had it, it was a style wasn't it the throwing muses there was a sort of a, a rhythmic kind of quality to it, which was, you know, had that that, that element. Which, um, yes, I mean, at the time, it seemed we all loved it. You know, let's face it, anything on anything that was slightly different and quirky often gets picked up initially. You know, as being, yeah,
1: yeah, isn't it? That, it's strange because I would have thought we had no style, that because it was so uh substantive is the nice word psychotic is the (laughs) mean (laughs) one and what resulted was definitely not what you were supposed to do in other words i wore no influences on my sleeve and i sounded pretty crazy you're supposed to as a female view yourself as um a an object obviously you know how do you serve the default human which is the dude with resources well you change your voice and you say Hey boys and you play crap and sounds like a commercial because it's commercial music, which is a commercial and I didn't do any of that. So I, I will stand by that, but I don't find our first record
0: particularly listenable. You're right. <laughs> was this um God I, I have to confess I remember the first one I listened to was Hunk 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 Papa. Was that the first yeah. album? Or was that the second one?
1: Oh, that's uh i don't know like maybe fourth or fifth record
0: my god i was a late de- i was a late developer there wasn't i really
1: so and that's fine <laughs> that that actually they were saying at the time you got to give us you know a dumb song or we're gonna drop you and yeah. you can put anything else you want on the record but give us something for radio and so i did and it's uh that's still sad for me
0: yes absolutely <laughs> so then sort of kind of slightly skipping Next to the to writing, um, which you know we mentioned earlier, Rat Girl. This is kind of where you really start to talk about the kind of a lot about the kind of a lot of your sort of emotional and and sort of mental well-being, really, wasn't it? And this is where a lot of people suddenly found more about you than we'd ever expected.
1: Yeah, I don't understand why I would do something like that. There's a time after you write a book where. You've been lost in that world for so many years that you forget anyone else is going to participate in any way. And I think I do the same thing with records, honestly, (laughs) because as shy as I am, as private as I am, I have um, this attachment to the truth. And (laughs) I feel like that's all I'm allowed to tell. So I write something called memoir, which is, Definitely an invasion of my own privacy because I was there. And then the world makes itself like for a couple of years, the book is clever, which is the worst thing it can be. And then it begins, uh, to pull itself into real texture, real color and real movement. And you're just following it around and the records do exactly the same thing. But the books, I always come home from tour and then the book is sitting on the porch. Like, uh, the record, the, uh, Publisher sends me a box full of books, and I realize this is something other people are going to see too. And, ah, bummer. And yes. That's where I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey.
0: So, when with, with the you know the latest book that you've just brought out, seen sideways, when did you? I mean, you mentioned that the the sort of the publishing company had started sending you writers to. Um, was this to sort of potentially write it with you or for you? You know, as a ghost writer and then you said, no, I'm gonna write it on my own. When did that process start?
1: That's a good question. I, uh, I had a template because it was based on a diary, and the diary was odd. It, I didn't mean to keep that either. Painter friends who told me that music was low art and painting was high said, you're a painter, so just try this other medium in the interim and eventually you'll make it up to painting. <laughs> so I, I kept a diary because I thought they were grown ups and they were all of you know twenty years old. And it was an odd book. It dissolved in the middle and then it came in four different voices and it was a good template to be working from. But um it like I said, it didn't it didn't really come into being until it wrote itself. The the more I have to do with any writing process, the worse the song or book is. So I've learned mostly to just stay out of
0: the way. My process is to disappear. But you said a few years ago that when you were writing songs that were sort of coming to you to do with your sort of mental health, mental well-being, and then you were worried that you were going to lose that character and thus you were gonna lose the songs and what, whether you were gonna be able to write any more material. Is that, was that, have I got that right? I just wanted to check before assuming that was- Except
1: what. for the word worried, I, I thought, all right, here's another chapter where I don't have to hear songs. And I was actually working a record of Muses, last record, Purgatory Paradise. This was just, yeah, just a few years ago. Um, I was doing a promo tour, and I believe I was on the BBC, and the the woman knew the story, so I was surprised that she asked me to play a song because I hadn't touched a guitar since I had gone through treatment for PTSD, and I had explained, I don't really think I'm a musician anymore. And She she said, on the air, we'll try. (laughs) And someone had, you had to run and get the guitar and handed it to me. And I didn't know what was going to happen, but it was beautiful. I, I loved it. <laughs> so there was nothing evil. It was just chords. And I remembered the stories and I was fully present. I could look down at my hands and see what they were doing for the first time in my life. With, whereas in the past, I had sort of just stared off in his face with spiral eyes. I was fully present throughout. And I looked up giddy afterwards and she was crying and kind of she's making that. Gesture that means keep talking. I can't talk. <laughs> so, I guess I consider that a success. Yes. But my band found me unrecognizable afterwards. I had it suffered lifelong stage fright because I didn't understand what happened out there. Right. And on the last music tour, they were like, Who are you? <laughs> I was like, Come on, tick, tick, time to go. Stage time.
0: <laughs> right. God. So, when you went out and played those like festivals, like Glastonbury Festival back in 1990 something, you though you were there you didn't have any fear because you were just kind of in a kind of altered state
1: yeah yeah i felt fear beforehand and then when i stood up and started to play the music self would kick in and i would disappear although i think at glastonbury somebody like threw a roll of toilet paper at my head which they said Oh, that's a compliment. That's good. <laughs> like, but it sort of knocked the songs out. I was there again by mistake instead of being able to go into that trance. And so whereas I knew the guitar parts, I didn't know any of the lyrics. The first song had you know no words, and I want I was wandering around the stage trying to remember what the words were, but I the person Kristen doesn't know the words. It's just it's a rat girl. You know? and, and my poor drummer who knows all the words and his lips are moving like a million miles an hour singing all the words at me as if I could just catch them in the air. And I thought, all right, you know that. We open with an instrumental, fair enough, and we're going to move on, get right back on that horse. But you know, it, it had knocked all the lyrics out of my head. So we played an, an entirely instrumental set and when I walked off stage, there was a journalist standing there and she said, that was so interesting. All the other bands are playing songs the way they are on the records." <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> eh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we've
0: just, we just gone. But we
1: now. got great reviews. I was like, well, screw you. I didn't want to sing ever. <laughs> I don't have to sing.
0: <laughs> yes, well, that's quite interesting. So coming to the book, when you started to write it, was, did it, was it quite a... Um, a therapeutic process and did it once you started was it a bit like the Jack Kerouac experience of you just kind of literally it all just came out in almost one one sort of big sitting
1: well one five years sitting I suppose one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's it takes that long to relive memories so completely I write in the middle of the night I get up at Uh, you know, maybe two or three in the morning, and uh, you can disappear yourself until other senses, like sense memories, take over, and that layering effect of going back and back and back until every single phrase is perfect adds another dimension of sense memory to it, and so what you end up with is a, a very impressionistic work, but that's what memoir is. Everyone's memory is impressionistic, and I would hope that it is clarified to the extent that it reaches some sort of Idiosyncratic tape on the universal. I would hate to think that I was asking people to care about my story. I was there, and so I can promise it happened. And there's, if when it gets too freaky, there's always a witness. (laughs) (laughs) Because with 30 years, you can edit out all the boring stuff. So it makes my life sound insane. But when it's too insane, there's always somebody there with me to say, oh, yeah, it did happen.
0: Yeah, well well being in the band and, and also during that period you were doing your solo work and also having issues with the record company and having four children and obviously relation, you know, a relationship as well. So there's gonna be a lot in there, isn't there? Let's face it, and probably moving house, which you did as well within the book. So did that feel quite, you know, as you were sort of writing it and then rewriting it, did you keep getting different layers going, oh, this is kind of interesting? This is because 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 having sort of read, I must admit, just bits of it, but you know, there's kind of conversations that must have, you must have sort of dug up a bit, not invented. I'm not saying that, but just kind of like, going, oh yes, I can. I remember this conversation, and this period, quite well. Initially, you might have gone, no, that's all a bit hazy, and it's like,
1: yeah, I, I tried to compare notes with the people who were there, band mates, and my children, um, and journalists, and say, like, is, is this Accurate, and sometimes, as odd as my relationship with memory has been with huge black holes, I also have a kind of photographic memory for sound, and some conversations will replay um, pretty accurately. I was able to compare notes with journalist recordings and things like that. But that that combination makes for an interesting. Um, This is going to sound lofty, and I don't mean it to. It should be a very grounded process. But when you're sculpting the clay, you find the line. You find the shape. And we're not used to seeing our lives in story arcs as if they are a film. But they're there. There are morals to be gleaned. (laughs) There's shame to be relived. And then um, victory to be... um, I suppose, subtleized, downplayed. <laughs> yeah. So the line is real clean. And as confused as you can be, if you let a book write it, the book will teach you things. Same with songs. It, they should be smarter than you. Otherwise, what would be the point?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. And when did you decide only to use your children's names, but nobody else? Did you decide that quite early on that you were going to kind of removed the person
1: i did i have a problem with the egoic constructs that are so fundamental to the entertainment industry and it's just essentially what i had to be writing about and just so you know it was the american record company that was causing all the trouble it was corporate yeah money and all that um sexism and bad you know product instead of music um and the the constant name dropping, the idea that some people might be more important than others, that status is something, you know, not to be pitied in someone, but admired. And so when you remove all names, it becomes a kind of free floating human experience that, yeah, that was my job, but it could be applied to just about any sphere that wrestles with the same issues. And in my life, I was lucky enough to have these four sons who were always drawing me back to that grounded nature that is more animal, mm-hmm. then um, it can take cerebral, but it's that middle strata of ego that they just they don't have yet, and I didn't develop very well. <laughs> and those voices, even though you haven't met these children, their voices are very uh, well. They're idiosyncratic and universal, and so each chapter is very different accordingly.
0: Yes, and do you? I mean, as you were sort of going through it, and sort of obviously, you know, it kind of sh- is shaped a lot with the with the family and the children. How did you sort of feel, you know, yourself? Did did you go through quite a process? Because because there are some moments which are very sad at times, aren't there, within the within the book? Which is kind of what life is all about as well. Did you you have to wrestle with those kind of kind of chapters or those kind of Paragraphs and feel a bit like, oh, that was tricky. I might make notes. Yeah. My son and go. Thank and you
1: for me. knowing that. I appreciate that. It, it was, it was awful, honestly. Um, some, the first chapter and the last chapter particularly, uh, because they were uh, tragedies associated with children. I can I can handle the degradation of in my industry. I can handle my own pain. But uh, to watch children suffer is I just kept swearing I'm not going to relive this section. I'm going to let my editor handle this. But I I had to. It has to be as perfect as it possibly can be uh, before I let go and yeah, thank you. I want points for that cuz that was brutal. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and I lot. didn't want to put anyone else through it. But I have to say, there's so many tragedies here. Sometimes it's nice to share them so that there's, we don't color them overly with suffering.
0: Yes, and did that take a little bit more rewriting on those bits where you had to get the tone right and get the sentiment right and also remember the the moment?
1: How did you know that? I found that I wrote very poorly about um memories I hated. I I couldn't bring the beauty about, it. and there's plenty of beauty in every kind of experience, but maybe I wanted it to be over sooner or I wanted there to be some lesson learned, but it just is what it is. And I had to find a more poetic prose with which to address these not tragedies necessarily
0: but hardships yes and did you? and did you you know because because obviously you you know you've been home to grow up most of your adult life quite in public so you become this almost a commodity and then having this personal life as well and I noticed people like David Bowie as he got older was very good at sort of going this is my personal life and that's off limits and this is me David Bowie until he had his heart attack and then Kind of disappeared and then came back and then unfortunately died. Did you? Do you also have that a very kind of separate self between this is me? You can you know the record label, all that stuff that goes with contracts and you know trying to get your work back. And then there's that sort of the personal side, which is the family. Do you? Did you consciously try and sort of keep that separate as possible? Did you feel at times it was almost like people wanted to pull all that into the public domain as well?
1: Yeah. I don't. I wasn't smart enough to go uh, outside of myself for a persona. I just was sort of beaten down and wanting to hide. And I was pretty severely gaslighted and stolen from, because obviously I wasn't attached to any of these rewards the music industry offers, which is money and attention. Attention is terrifying to me, or at least not interesting. And money, I, I didn't think that was appropriate. <laughs> uh, so I got these, uh, these healthy blinders, you know, that helped me start the guitar became sort of unhealthy blinders and became more and more and more about hiding in music and children. And I have to say, uh, ultimately, that was what was best. I think strength might have helped me through those years. To face the bullies, but um, I don't want to become them. I don't even want to meet their power with more power. I want to focus. And that was my music win. I'm completely outside of the industry now. I'm listener supported because I want to engage thusly and I will never insult them with fashion. I will never look at a camera as if I love it. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, love the lens. Yes, I that's, that's
1: lying. And I'm not going to lie. So I have not legions of supporters, but some listeners who seem to appreciate what I do. And they pay my studio bills, and I give them my music for free and my shows for free. And that's that's cool. If I could do that for the rest of my life and still maintain this hiding, I've been able to maintain <laughs>
0: that's perfect yes because obviously you've you know a lot about your adult life is taking back control and and sort of it seems to me um you know and sort of the ownership and I've noticed that quite a lot of artists have 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 wanted to sort of follow a, a similar path of actually not being satisfied with what happened you know and and not you know and some mostly taking responsibility yes they signed the contract yes they probably got a bit carried away with the the potential rewards that were there and plus they've been young so you know they you know obviously it's good to give yourself a bit of slack you know at some of those decisions you make when you're much younger but with age you know it's like no I want to I want to be a grown-up now I want to I want to have a house and a home and I want mm. to be able to be more in control and I want my art to just be what I really feel so I'll feel quite confident with it and I'll feel quite pleased with it and I've not cheated anybody and I, I sort of found that with quite a lot of people that I've interviewed is that that's kind of where they want to kind of end and I suppose you know I know I mentioned David Bowie but I did did realize on his last album Black Star you know the honesty of that album was quite extraordinary and I just wondered if if you were starting to feel when you're thinking of recording new material you know whether you're feeling that much you know quite different about what what the process is going to be like.
1: Um, um been so known as someone with only integrity. I, I I didn't go for any other win. And extricating myself from the business was because I couldn't put myself before my convictions. We're all very familiar with the win. And I think it's shallow, and I think it's goofy, and it's selfish. And uh, I didn't help anyone maybe by running away from the industry but at least I wasn't part of the problem. I won't turn my back on women. I won't turn my back on music. And if I have to, quote, suffer accordingly, I'm willing to do so. But there's a, the reason we side with the so-called losers is because we're trying to call that ludicrous winner-loser game into question and show it for the joke that it is. So the music was always teaching me, like, come back down to the ground or lift yourself up off the ground. And the children did the same thing. Like, we are animals, never lie, essentially. Songs and children say that. What we hear that we call songs is usually just product. It's like fashion, it's kind of an insult. Like, you're this dumb. And I didn't want to do that. But safety is another question. <laughs> For sure. And as close as I got to safety was DIY, putting my band 50 foot wave on a bus and my children on the bus with all of our animals and saying, we, we will play music and we won't lie. we're going to make a lot of noise at you. And you're going to see us as electricians pumping electricity in your house. And you're going to pay us a fair wage, nothing else. And I've continued that as my own version of a success story, which is Definitely losing in the eyes of the industry. (laughs) The 50-Foot Wave did 2 million downloads of one of our records, and Billboard magazine freaked out, saying, who the hell are you? You have to sign all these forms, and you can't do this to us. And we're just like, well, we have nothing to do with y'all. This is outside of the industry. And then they found out that we don't charge for our music. And they said, "Oh, never mind. It's not a problem." <laughs> I was like, "I knew it. It's, you're just counting money. <laughs> it's yeah. not. There's it nothing to do with music." And I still believe music is not in the music industry. Music and money—they really shouldn't be combined in any other way except in a human fair exchange. So I didn't. I didn't really live that trajectory, but the result is the same. Yeah. You sort of think I should be allowed to live my passion
0: and do my work
1: how are we going to make that happen
0: yes absolutely so on that last tour that you came to you were come you were in the uk and you you come to norwich and you that's where i saw you at the art center and um that was probably a couple of years ago now it must have been so fred was in the band but he was also doing his solo stuff and he was one of the original members of throw muses wasn't he you know this because actually you've lived a life, but was that quite a significant period of your life? That that sort of, um, yes, sort of working with some of the original members again.
1: Oh, just now?
0: Yeah, yeah. no, um. when, you, when you were in Norwich, well, not Norwich, but you were doing that tour, it was probably two or three years ago. And I noticed right. that Fred was kind of doing a solo. I think he was supporting as well as being in the band and obviously that's right yeah and now you're together was that quite a significant change in your life
1: yeah that's a nice way of putting it (laughs) my uh, uh kids and I moved back to the island where I started throwing muses a few years ago and Freddie who had been in the band 30 years ago and he and I both tried to quit the industry at the same time we realized oh this is this is not music and this is not <laughs> harmless. They let him go, obviously, but not me. I couldn't get out of my Warren Brothers contract. And he spent the next 30 years getting his PhD, raising three kids, and working in a wood shop and writing songs in his head for 30 years, which is, in my opinion, ideal. You have no one to interfere. And as much as I would like, to call myself someone with integrity (laughs) when I finally became listener supported there was always this stupid voice on my shoulder saying dumb it down dumb it down dumb it down like they used to to me it took a little bit for me to get through that and reabsorb my own sonic vocabulary and reflect it back and Fred never had that problem so his vein of songwriting is sort of Akin to the snake handler auto mechanic in the southern town here in the states very uh <laughs> outsider art right and as an outsider and I suppose an artist, even though I don't like that word uh I thought it was incredible i said dude you you got to come on the road and he did. He made a record and figured out how to place in so <laughs> a couple of weeks and <laughs> came on the road and uh he now he's got he's working on his fourth record with my drummer from 50 foot wave who toured with us a couple of years ago and uh it's beautiful uh, honestly i can't think of any other reason to do this except for beauty real beauty yes and uh that's not pretty and he's not pretty what <laughs> we do isn't pretty and so yes as you say it's easier now
0: <laughs> Yes. well having i think sometimes having somebody that can give you that support and sometimes either a bit of light or a bit of sh- you know a bit of light or a bit of shade when you're in the opposite sphere can be quite helpful just to keep what a, a great way balance. of putting it
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know it kind of you know because one can sometimes get too dark or sometimes one can get too light and it's sometimes you just need someone to pull it a little bit to just to balance it up so that's my theory anyway I'm that's sure. a nice
1: theory we're <laughs> far too alike um, and. But that means that, you know, all of our fights are just nerd fights, just the nature of free will and crap like that. (laughs) That's why we annoy people. (laughs) But when your stressors are the same and you face them back to back, then you're not facing them front to front, you know? We don't throw them at each other. We know they're coming from the world and and that, that really matters.
0: Yes. Well, you've got amazing history with the the band. So last year, when we went into this weird lockdown, were you still writing the book at that stage?
1: Yeah. In fact, the book was only finished a few weeks ago. They were already selling it. I thought, is this a good idea? What if I delete it
0: all? But it was such a
1: world. I loved getting lost in it. And I'm still waking up at three o'clock in the morning. I just don't have anything to do
0: now. Yes. So was it the case then that you were in one of those slightly fortunate positions of having a project during this weird lockdown that you thought, oh, this is a bit irritating because I can't go anywhere, but I can finish (laughs) this book now? And I just wondered if that made you think, okay, I have no excuse. I can't say I've got anywhere to go. I can't even go to the hairdressers or the dentist. It's all, you know, I might as well just start writing. I just wondered if that really helped galvanize it and make it kind of that much sharper.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that granular orientation that results from somebody saying you you're not allowed to do anything but this. Yeah, because musicians, you know, we lost everything this year. Uh, if you are an electrician, you can get another job when you lose yours, <laughs> but this year our job was just disappeared as a concept. Yes. And uh I was able to work in the studio but that cost money. I made, I guess, two records and finished this book, and that's a nice use of a year, but I, I hope we're, um, we're going to be handed our careers back soon. I have yeah. a few tours booked, but I, I've also had a few tours cancelled during oh. down. so we'll see.
0: Yeah. I know a few musicians who were just about to go on the road with a new album that they've been working on for two years with a bit of a bad bank balance and thinking okay that's fine we're going to tour we're going to sell merchandise yeah we're going to be just back to zero yes like oh actually we're not even on zero we've gone beyond the the red that we were already in so that was a terrifying experience so yes we're
1: looking at maybe living in our truck for a while but we've done that before because we're musicians and it's what happens when you don't talk i gotta say we don't have big bank balance because we chose to have music as a day job. You just show up and just do the work. And that was the right thing, you know, until you until you can't pay rent and then it <laughs> starts to seem like the wrong thing.
0: <laughs> yes. But does it does it mean that sometimes when you because one thing I've noticed is that there's been quite a few books and quite a few films that have come out from a period I often think is about a uh, a period of like 25 to 30 years that passes where we sort of just get on with life and then we slightly look back and think oh that was quite an interesting period for various reasons and I'm not just talking about sort of rose tinted sunglasses and thinking it was all much better then but just sometimes going see this is quite an interesting period but we we weren't living it and then we moved on because life happens and then sometimes you go back again and sort of can pick it over and I've noticed there's been quite a few books on the 80s and various aspects to you know fanzines or posters or the artwork and even the music that, that's been sort of reanalyzed and i wondered if you'd noticed as well that there's been quite a lot of films about you know like the go-betweens or the chills and the wedding present and and such bands and also a lot of people have brought books out i just wondered you know if you also sort of have captured that kind of period of looking i know you're sort of looking forward to you know your your next albums but I just wondered if occasionally you've looked back and just kind of reflected a bit on the work that you've done and give it a bit of a different appreciation from a different angle and a different time.
1: That is a healthy thing to do as long as you aren't looking only at the superficial aspects of a time like anything else because the time is almost like an entity like a system and there's interplay and there's depth and there are the shallows and if you are living real hard it will impact and so it was it was good for me to go relive this book and see that all this whole messy roller coaster was not necessarily a bad plan <laughs> <laughs> and While I was fighting against the 90s nostalgia, saying, don't reduce my extant band to this. We have a new record coming out right now, one of the best we've ever made. We've continued to get better and better. They don't like to hear that. They like to tell you that your most marketed single was your best work and anything after that is not what they remember from their record collection in university, you know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> I, at the same time, I had to call myself on my own hubris and say, well, it's still informative. There was a real um, sublime moment when we thought that the world was a good place, <laughs> and that you could trust music to always tell you the truth. and. It took a few years before we realized, oh, these people are trying to be rock stars. (laughs) "Uh." (laughs) (laughs) And they stopped playing music because music's not allowed. So they willfully sort of insulted us. And that pain was many years of saying, okay, we are the undergrounds underground, and we're not even going to record what we're playing. We're going to keep jumping on this conveyor belt of music as it rushes by, keep playing, keep that head space. It's not for attention. It is not for sharing until it has to be shared. And that's this medicine that's intense. So you don't want to feed it to anybody who doesn't want to take it. And that orientation, it's really what happened from that mess of a roller coaster and the silence of our friends. And we still engage that way we play. Not for attention. We don't necessarily record it. We don't necessarily release. What we do record, it's just music. And there's no such thing as bad music. If it's bad, it's not music. And it's very... um, It's hard not to give up. (laughs) Because we are in the corner of an industry we disagree with.
0: Yes. It's interesting. It's hard not to give up. Yes. I just wondered if you... You know, because you've got quite a big body of work, you know, your solo project, as you know, your solo album. So obviously you've managed to keep that kind of integrity going. And I wondered if it was easier when you're putting out your solo work than you do with kind of when you're in a band, whether it's like there's an added, added pressure and expectations from the other members, whereas when it's yours and you can think, no, this is what I'm going to do and, and we're going to stick to this kind of vision.
1: You know, honestly, they're, it's very similar. It, there are no uh, egos in any of my band. So the the character of the music directs us, I think. We never disagree. It's so obvious what happens in the room when it comes to the speakers. And if it doesn't work, we all know. And we try a few ideas. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, it's not just that we're nice, although we are nice, but th- there's a uh, there's um there are rules to follow it's a language music, and we all speak it when I'm alone. I guess i- ten- have a tendency to get a little nuttier to- <laughs> <laughs> like I- I'm gonna build this thing. you know, I walked into the studio and I need wood and horse hooves, and I'm gonna hit the hammers of the piano with an actual hammer and I wouldn't put my bandmates through that and ultimately no one ever hears that stuff they don't notice it but other than that when music tells you what to do it, it, there could be 50 people in the room as long as they speak that language they're in agreement
0: yes absolutely and with your with the book when you got to the end and and it was a very touching last bit with that sentiment that you said I love you you know mum did you feel that this is kind of a book that's as much about given to your children as to the to the general public?
1: Yeah, more so I think. And I didn't know they were going to include that. That was just for my children. <laughs> <laughs> they it was understood that that was going to be taken out, um, but then he, they put it in the end. It was the introduction for my sons. <laughs> so I don't know how it reads as a reader probably kind of crazy but it's how we talk yes.
0: <laughs> that. Um, well, I think with the, with a lot of the book you know what I've read is it is, feels like one is kind of very privy to a very kind of personal world that you feel a little bit you know like slightly honored to, to be included in 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 the sort of rawness of the emotion of it so it feels you know one has to as a reader you feel quite respectful because it's like god I'm sort of got an insight here and and some of this is making me feel quite like, quite upset because, you know, there's obviously... Wow,
1: you're that, so kind.
0: <laughs> that's,
1: that's really you know, nice.
0: <laughs> but there is a sort of bits that are kind of upset. I do cry at films very easily, actually. And sort of you know, <laughs> the human struggle films are always the ones that kind of get yeah yeah more than anything else. Because, you know, you just, we, you realise we're all just people. We're just mostly trying to... know do the best we can but sometimes even you know the cards are stacked against us for various reasons without going into it too much but you know as you know with probably looking at this book the best lessons you can learn is sometimes when you take complete responsibility for that situation and not just blame the other person because that's like then you feel like you can move on much better once you've done that rather than going that's them and you're thinking but I chose to even be with that person. So I need to take responsibility on some level with it.
1: Wow, you're great. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, it's me. funny, you know, this year uh it's been instructive to watch people's attitude toward contagion.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: I, I majored in immunology and um I had always assumed uh that symptomatic response is a healthy thing. That's what fighting looks like. The day you're diagnosed is the day you begin fighting. It's not the day you begin failing, necessarily. And to see in the populace this fear of uh, this is the contagion like poking at you with a stick and it's causing you pain. It's like, well, no, this is your body reacting and fighting the contagion. This is, you know, war isn't fun. Yeah. Neither are fevers. and. <laughs> Any symptomatic response, and yet um, I thought, well, short of alien overlord, this is a good common enemy for y'all who seem to like to fight so much. (laughs) And no, it didn't work out that way. They're like, well, what do we wear and who do we hate? (laughs) It's like, oh, (laughs) God.
0: (laughs) Um, Yes, it's, it's but it
1: is nice to have it sort of calm. Into something more akin to what you just described, the human struggle and how empathy results. If you are not going to continue looking for an enemy, for your porous sensibilities to be invaded somehow, (laughs) then you're going to come to this unstable yet beautiful place of empathy for the human condition. And who isn't human, you know, if they're really getting to you, then go find some plants and animals and nature to re-engage and then get back because we're nature too.
0: Yes, absolutely. And as you said, your your son's a great surfer. So um, obviously the sea must be a big part of your life.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're little trees, they're little plants.
0: <laughs> so strange, actually. But I kind of, on the word of empathy, which is kind of interesting, it's it's very different Empathy is great, whereas sympathy, you don't really need sympathy because that feels like someone's trying to almost put you into a, a much kind of weaker position that you need to be saved. And you think, I don't need to be saved. I just kind of need a bit more respect or I need more, you know, just just a bit of a break here. But I don't, I don't really need someone to start stroking my arm and saying, oh, there you go. Do you want a hug? It's like, no, not really. <laughs> yeah,
1: respect is a big one. I don't know if it's a time or just a species in which we, like, the idea that some of us might be big <laughs> or more looked at or have more pyramids than the others. Respect means, uh, oh, do better than looking for stuff. Do better than looking for attention. Do better than co-opting a spotlight. Re- resource constraint, you know. I'm going to respect you and I'm going to ask you to to do a little better here and that's that's an empathy we don't always ask of each other
0: no absolutely so does that mean I mean when when this hopefully gets back to some sort of you know being able to move around and, and travel have you got sort of plans for sort of touring both America and Europe as well and sort of you know because obviously you've got the you know new material but also you've got a book as well so I just wondered if if you are slightly itching to get out and sort of get, get moving again.
1: Yeah. I was excited about my book tour until they told me it was virtual, which (laughs) is like now (laughs) it's like, yeah, get back on the road. Uh, But we have dates in the West coast dates in the fall and then East coast in the winter. And then we're in the UK and Europe in the spring. Right. At least that's what they're,
0: telling us. The plan, the plan. This is great. Well look, we're looking. Well loving, you know, I must admit I do love your, you know, I mean, for what it's worth, but you'll I do love the solo work you've done. Some of those oh uh, um, thank you. Just such stunning stuff. And I've really enjoyed, I must admit, having a PDF is not quite as good as having the book. So I will buy a copy of the book. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's,
1: I would send it to you if I had one. <laughs> I don't have one. I don't really
0: want to read it right now. <laughs> no, but um it's it must feel really nice to have it done and, and sort of nearly just about to hit the shelves, uh, shells, I guess.
1: You know, I'm I'm a whine. It feels awful. <laughs> 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 I miss it. I miss writing it and I miss keeping it for me and my boys. And I have a stomachache about other people reading it because I have absolutely no desire to express myself. But I'm sort of addicted to the truth. And uh I thought, well you know I'm fifty something, I I could just chuck it right now so my kids should have some idea of the story of their <laughs> their childhood <laughs> but I don't know how it's going to feel to have others know it too uh, if it doesn't help them there'd be no point yeah. I I want to hear somebody say yeah I needed this if they don't need
0: it then it's not really for them and then it is just for my boys and I can live with that yeah I'm sure, I'm sure you'll get some amazing people. Is this just that point when you've either done an album or, you know, on this case, the book, where you're just kind of having to let it go and thinking, oh my God, well, I kind of want to look, but I don't want to look at the reviews and I want to just have a- Yes!
1: How did you know that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't know how to relate to this stage. If I could go on the road and just start working, I'm like, yeah, I, I back this up, I stand by it. And this is how it sounds when it's in your face. That I can deal with. But the photo shoots, yes. <laughs> the feedback, I just want to hide. You should be allowed to hide.
0: <laughs> yes, I know, sort of get under the duvet, really, and just kind of have someone whisper to you, just like,
1: yeah,
0: it's fine. It's fine. Yes, we still like you. <laughs> yes, I know. They love you. Yeah, I know, it must be, it must be amazing. Right, well, look, Kristen, thank you ever so much for this, and um, look, you know what I, I mean you know, like I said it's PDF, but I will get a copy of it, but it's what I've read has been beautiful, so um well done. well. Not
1: Thank done. you, David. Thank <laughs> you for doing this. I really appreciate it.
0: And that, dear listener, is the end of the interview. A big thank you to Kristen Hirsch for giving me the time for that. And um, as I said, and you probably gather, the book is out or just about coming out, titled Sea and Sideways, a memoir of music and motherhood. It's available on Jawbone Books. Um, this has been David Eastall, The C86 Show. If you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do C86 Show. And um, all these have been archived and you can find those on Spotify, iTunes and Podbean. I know what not to like. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.